This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast is sponsored by Wessler Engineering. At Wessler Engineering, our number one priority is developing and maintaining our clients' loyalty and trust by providing the highest quality of service and treating our clients as an extension of the Wessler Engineering family. Founded in 1975, Wessler specializes in wastewater, drinking water, and stormwater projects, providing services ranging from master planning and design to construction administration and process energy audits. Our team is passionate, skilled, and ready to go above and beyond for you. We are dedicated to bringing your vision to life with each and every project, and we take pride in our work. That's why at Wessler Engineering, our clients are more than a project. Wessler Engineering is the proud sponsor of the AIM Municipal Management Institute Education Program. This is Matt Greller, CEO of AIM. Welcome to the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Join us as we share ways our municipalities are positioning themselves for the future, thought-provoking interviews with state and local leaders, and more. Thanks for listening as we tell the municipal story. Welcome to this episode of AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. This is Chelsea Schneider with AIM. And today I am in Brookville with several town leaders you know, going through downtown, learning about what makes Brookville so special. One of the projects that we're really going to focus on is Valley House Flats, which is affordable and market rate senior housing project in the downtown. So today on the podcast is Nick Lawrence. He is with the Franklin County Economic Development Commission. Mick Wills. He is one of the main founders of Main Street Brookville and also dealt with Opportunity Zones and how that relates to the Valley House Flats project. Bruce Rippey, who is the point person on the housing project, and Mike Filtz, who is the president of the Brookville Town Board. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. One of the main things that I want to discuss and focus on, you know, housing is such a dynamic issue for cities and towns across the state. We just took a tour of Valley House Flats. It's amazing. It's really, really impressive. So I wanted to start at the beginning. Talk to me a little bit about how this project came to be. So this is Bruce. Uh, The project started about four years ago. Uh, The town contacted me and, and asked for some insight and possible input development efforts on redeveloping the city block that uh, Valley House is in. And we did an assessment of the project and determined that it could be viable if uh, we could get enough critical mass. And uh, so we started a a process to acquire six different buildings and another parcel to, uh, to build the project. Describe to me how the project was funded with financing involved. So there's a lot of different types of funding involved in this project. There's low-income housing tax credits uh, that was done through the uh, Indiana Housing Community Development Authority. There's historic tax credits involved in this as well as some money from uh, OPRA's historic grant program. And then uh, there's some additional home funds on the, that's all on the LIHTC side, and then on the uh, afford, on the market rate side, it was done with Opportunity Zone. 
So as I understand, this project might be one of the first applications or uses of opportunity zones for housing. So describe to me what an opportunity zone is and how it helped the Valley House project. This is Nick uh, Lawrence. And so the opportunity zone was a, uh, a tax incentive that was created through the, um, the federal income tax reform that happened in 17, I believe. And this incentive uh, allowed for, um, identified uh, low income census tracts and those tracks were to be, you know, highlighted or 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 targeted uh, for for investment from the investment community. And what they did is they provided a step down in gains tax and a deferral in, in, in the gains income tax. So, and then there were additional incentives if you held your money within the uh, the investment, the project, for a ten year period. And so it was pretty significant in trying to to supercharge investment in these targeted areas. And the states, when, when this program rolled out, it kind of took everybody, caught up everybody off guard. Uh, several states were more on the ball than others and determining how they were going to vet the, the tracks that were available. And so I think in Indiana, we had over 600 tracks um, in the state that were eligible. And you could see several of those. I mean, like your metros had a number of them. So we knew it was going to be a super competitive process. They were only going to accept, I believe, 156 in the entire state. And Franklin County had two eligible census tracts. And, you know, there were requirements in your investment that you had to, you know, to get a full bang for your benefit, you had to invest within a certain window. And we basically hedged our bets and said, listen, this is going to be a competitive project, a competitive process. And we wanted to put our best foot forward and our, our most likely tract forward that was going to receive investment. So this one tract was rather large that kind of goes from the northern end to the southern end of the Brookville area. So it goes a little bit outside of municipal bounds too, but it certainly covers the Main Street area where we saw a lot of potential for growth and knew we had projects like the Valley House uh, even underway. So we submitted for that. We actually worked together as kind of a coalition and had support letters and the whole package that we sent to the governor's office and we were confirmed and selected, uh, which was great. And then it kind of was like, okay, now we got it. What are we going to do with it? And um, it just so happened that we had projects that had needs and we had, uh, were lucky enough to have local investors who wanted to invest in the community that had a need to take advantage of the incentive as well. Um, so we were thankful to have both Bruce's, you know, development investment here and, and Mick, McWills wanting to invest in the community too. So opportunity zones, kind of a new concept, right, to cities and towns. What did Brookville learn from the process that you think another municipal leader should know? This is Nick again. I think with any of these tools, particularly in rural Indiana, it highlights the and should emphasize the benefit of partnership. And again, I say this almost every time I talk and people are probably getting tired of hearing me say it, but and the first person I probably heard say it was, was Dick Heipel at Ball State, was you know, economic development is a team sport, and it takes a lot of people, a lot of programs, and a concerted effort to, to make any of these things go. And the Opportunity Zone is a tool, like tax abatement and TIF and facade grants, and it's nothing without having partners and people willing to, to invest. Uh, in, in the community and from having folks that are willing to, to make an investment to working with 
uh, all your boards and commissions and organizations and being able to market these concepts and programs out. I mean, that's been that's been the other thing. There's there's a learning curve. It's a new concept everywhere. It's a new program everywhere. It shares similarities to you know 1031 exchanges and new market tax credits, which are not new ideas, but uh, specifically in in more rural communities that maybe their project activity is is a little less or the complexity of the deals are sometimes not complete can be pretty straightforward from time to time doing the education beforehand letting them know about what it is they're they're asked to sign up for and support particularly through the opportunities on application process and it took even us as a, as a consultant to that well, we work in economic development we had a learning curve or we had to learn what the value of the program was too you know at the end of the day it's about having everyone involved, not trying to do this solo, and that way it's a community effort, and we were able to recruit folks to invest, and, and that want to invest with me to learn about it, you know, I was sharing details with Mick and Jenny, uh, with CPAs, with, uh, with with banks and bankers in the community, and um, Bruce was well aware, knew about the, the opportunity zone, Bruce supported it, he helped us with our application for it, you know, it was kind of all hands on deck to make these things work. When you go to Valley House Flats, what is a tangible benefit you can point to that said, because we used Opportunity Zones, this happened. Right, so uh, the original project had 20 market rate units and the project had to be dialed back uh, because the financing would not support 20 market rate units. The challenge in developing in small communities is getting lenders to lend in based on limited information on what achievable market rents could be. And so while we knew there was demand and all the the market forecast showed a demand for 20 market rate units, the the problem was we couldn't get it financed. And the the project needed a lot more equity to make it work. And with uh, uh, mixed opportunities on investment, it allowed for those extra 10 units to to be built which will really have a pivotal impact on this community because you're adding 10 more, at least 10 more market rate uh, spenders in the downtown. And that will have a huge economic impact on the, uh, the community. Valley House, as I understand, has such a significant value to downtown Brookville. It has played a big role in the life of this community. Describe to me what really that building means for downtown and for longtime residents, and what it's going to mean now that it's been refurbished and kind of renovated as housing. And this is Mick Wills. And yeah, I mean, this building has sat empty since 1972 after the Greyhound bus station left. It had a little bit of life, but it was not a housing or, or hotel. But you're re- revitalizing the oldest hotel in the state of Indiana, and you are going to put 47 families onto Main Street. and. We just never had growth like that in this community. So that's 47 people, 47 families, possibly 80 people that are going to be living, walking, and shopping on Main Street right now. And this is Nick. I just want to add to before Bruce before you respond. This project too comes on the heels of a pretty concerted effort, I think, in Brookville to rehab their their Main Street. Um, comes on the heels of a of a construction project that you know was was a was was tough economically when you come in and you're you're tearing up. Main Street in front of uh, you know pretty viable businesses and you know Brookville came out on the other side of that it was it was okay um, we have they have new sidewalks they have lighting they have uh, you know the, the 
the character of the street kind of matches the character of what they're going for with Main Street. And, and adding that density to Main Street is helpful for not only to you know, activate an underutilized asset, but bring those, those spenders, those incomes, uh, in a, a dense manner to Main Street, which will benefit. And, and to that end, I've always called Bruce kind of a pioneer because he is adding some very new market rate units for the first time in a really long time in Brookville. And his ability to prove that this project works is going to benefit the next person that wants to develop. And I think there's more opportunity for that here. I absolutely agree. There's a, a ton of opportunity in this community for additional investment in terms of the opportunity zone that creates an economic benefit, but also there's a lot of really good bones in terms of the buildings in downtown Brookville that are of historic nature. Brookville didn't lose its history like many communities did in the 70s and 80s when buildings were just randomly bulldozed for uh, other development. And so Brookville really has the key elements that somebody like Nick would be looking for if, if you were to set out to do a brand new community development plan, having double-sided retail on both sides of the street, not having big gaps uh, between buildings that makes walking down the street uh, much more interesting uh, for tourists. And, and, and all of this plays well into really one of Brookville's biggest assets is the lake and the tourism that that creates. And this, Mick, I'd like to add one thing about the Opportunity Zone, comparing that to different types of fundings. The Opportunity Zone, when we had capital gains come available, and Nick, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's not a, it's a very fast paced project. You have nine or 10 months, so it really has to go into a shovel ready project where Bruce was working on the building and you had some some of the funding might take a year or two to get your hands on right. it and get it going. So Opportunity Zone has to be a very fast-paced, shovel-ready project or else it's not going to, uh, if you think you're going to plan for four or five years, it ain't going to work. Have a shovel-ready project ready. So Valley House Flats is just one component of, you know, projects underway in Brookville and a real focus on quality of life in this town. You know, another thing that the town is doing is launching an aquatic center project that's really going to revitalize the area where the town's pool has been for quite a while. So describe to me what that project is and what it's going to do for the community. Well, this is Mike Biltz. Uh, the, the Pete Memorial Swimming Pool was built in 1960 and it existed for golly Moses about uh, 50 years plus. The town put very little money into it. It ran pretty much on its own but it, it took the test of time and kind of got, things were getting worn out. So several years went by and we were operating in the red and, and finally we came to the conclusion that uh, we had to close it because of too much, we, we had a huge leak. And so we closed the pool for a couple of years, but uh, to be honest about it, I was a lifeguard there and learned to swim there and because of the lake and uh, ponds and, and the river, the, the Brookville is on, between the forks of, of the Whitewater River, I felt it was important for children to learn to swim. And our high school does not offer, or our schools do not have a swimming pool, so our town pool was the only place that they could learn. So several years went by, a couple years went by, and we decided, or I decided, that it was time to uh, invite people to find out 
if, if, if a pool was viable still. So we asked for volunteers and su surprisingly enough, uh, we did have several volunteers. Uh, usually think as a community leader that when you put something like that out that people don't, but I was fortunate enough that I had a lot of people step up with a lot of different ideas. And finally, the committee dwindled down to a group of five or six people that, uh, that wanted to see this project through. So we decided that uh, the original pool was built with a gift from the Heap family. And it would cost $100,000 at the time, and the town had to come up with 50. So I decided that it would, that would be the, the approach to take again. So we started asking for community donations, and we, we got a few. And then finally, our Brookville Foundation would, uh, gave us a very nice matching grant that was an incentive for people to double their money. And so we're at the point now that we are creating a new aquatic facility that's going to be about $3.03 million project at, at the location of where our original pool was built. The reason that we kept it the, the place, the location it's in, is because it's, it adjoins our town park, our town youth football area, and it is also accessible to many of the people that live in the valley of our town, what we call the valley, so children can ride their bikes to the pool and uh, learn to swim and, and have good exercise in the summer. And you also have a new hotel project coming to town. Tell well, me a little bit about that. I'll let Mick take over that one. It's another opportunity zone project and it had to be very, very fast paced. If this was a two year project, it would not have gone. We had nine or 10 months to uh, put our more money towards the project. The capital gains came and our accountants uh, told us what we could spend for the Opportunity Zone. Nick Lawrence and the economic development team of Franklin County and Brookville, one of their first projects that they said was needed for Brookville was a hotel. They had the ball rolling. It was really a shovel-ready project, and we just took advantage of it. And we had the groundbreaking. It should be done by July. But from there, I'll let uh, Nick take over. Again, this was uh, lightning in a bottle with shovel-ready projects. Uh, we had a we had an investor. We had projects going. Again, this was another one that was led by a partnership. Uh, my group, the Wheatley Group, got involved in Franklin County with their Economic Development Commission in 2016, and uh, we were coming on the heels of a completed kind of needs assessment, uh, and and they had listed out projects, and we had worked with them to develop some priorities as well, and Project One as Mick said, was attracting a new hotel to town. There's a tremendous asset here with the Brookville Reservoir, uh, the number of visitors that come through here once the weather gets nice. And we knew we probably had enough uh, traffic over even the, the slower months, the cold months, for a product to maintain itself and, um, and, and stabilize. And so we worked, uh, the Economic Development Commission worked in hand with the, the Tourism Commission as well as the Brookville Redevelopment Commission, we funded a feasibility study just because we needed a document that we could market that said to national flags that this market was viable uh, for, for a new facility. And uh, so we did that and it took us uh, several months to form the feasibility study. It took us several months to get the agreements in place actually to fund the study and then um, and then a few months to, to complete it. And we, we publicized the study in October of 2018 at the library. And um, we probably had, I don't know, 30, 40 people show up that night when we unveiled it. And, and the main takeaway was from the consultant that we had hired was uh, Brookville is a viable market for a new hotel. And within short order, we had made contact with uh, some representatives from some national brands and uh, that had some interest. And 
I remember talking to to Jenny, uh, Nick's wife, and she called me shortly after we publicized the study and said, do you think that we would have a hotel project in time for us to invest in um, uh, to utilize the Opportunity Zone? And I kind of laughed and said, oh, there's no way. Um, you know, we're just, this is October, it's getting cold, um, you know, it's tougher to get site visits when, it's, when the weather's bad. And um, I, I didn't imagine uh, in a million years that by January we'd have representatives from a national brand was from Cobblestone Hotels in town. Um, we were looking at sites. We were working with, we, you know, we visited with Mick, and Mick said, yes, this is a project that I think we need and I want to invest in. And we were, after that, property was under control, and, and the whole thing came together really quick. Even Cobblestone would tell you the project came together very fast. And, again, it was shovel-ready in a sense that we had a interested brand and we had an investor and um, a lead investor, and we started to formulate, uh, formalize an investor group, but uh, it all came together pretty seamlessly, I would say. You know, uh, the town supported it as well through a tax abatement too, which just makes the operating costs uh, annually that much lower for this investor group that's taking a risk on investing in the community too, um, because this is the first new hotel product in Brookville. Since the 50s, <laughs> Since the sure. 50s, yeah. Yeah, and so um, and so this was a, a pretty big deal, too. So new downtown housing, a new aquatic center, <coughs> and then also a new hotel, right? A lot of things happening. I wanted to wrap up the podcast by asking, what do you think the long-term lasting impact will be because these projects are occurring at Brookville? And what do you hope it, it does for the community? Well, we it's Mike Bills. We talked about this earlier. I, I said that Brookville is kind of, I think the Main Street was probably the catalyst for some of this stuff that's going on. But I think that, uh, I like to say that Brookville is going through a renaissance. But then I've been doing more thinking about it. And it's kind of like when you buy a house. Everything looks great. And then you sit around so, so many years and you do a room. And you clean up that room and make it nice. And then you start thinking, oh, everything else needs to be fixed up too. And I think that's kind of what's happened to our town. That uh, we saw something that, that we got accomplished, and then we started looking around for other things that we could do and make things better. And it's it's the nature of the of a of a person sometimes to sit and let it go when you get a big project like that finished because it is very stressful to a town and very stressful to a town board that uh, that you don't do anymore. But I've been fortunate enough to have a group of people that are willing to step forward and and, and to continue on. As far as the future, I, I think that uh, I, my goal is, as a, as a town board president, that I, that I make things better for the people in our community. And I, I think that we're accomplishing that in, in so many ways right now. Uh, I, th I think that the, I, I hope that it attracts more tourism. I hope that it attracts people to our town to live. We, we are a bedroom community of Cincinnati. I don't know that we'll ever attract a huge factory or anything like that, but we... we make a very nice quiet town for a family to live in and i i think that's probably our greatest asset brookville's it's very you know it's very midwestern in that like it has this and, and i'm not i'm not a local i'm not from around here i come in a few days a week uh and 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 try to help and uh, it's so it's so midwestern in that you have this community and these folks in this community they care about the community they invest in the community they have this uncanny ability to invest or raise funds for projects. They find things that are important. They come together and purchase buildings. They see these 
these opportunities and they see these opportunities come together, but nobody wants any credit for, you know, it's, it's, no, it's not a personal, you know, I'm going to stick my flag in the ground and wave it. And I did this. It's, it's so low key and it's just the right thing to do. So we're going to do it. And that's what Brookfield does. And it's very Midwestern, you know, it's very, you know, this is the right thing to do. We're going to do it. We don't need a lot of attention for it. And sometimes that can be a, 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 to a, a detriment in that you do need to tell your story a little bit, right? Which is, this is a great opportunity for them to tell their story. Um, but it is, it, it's just, that's the one thing that, that got me. They, they know how to throw a party here, like nobody's business. <laughs> and they know how to come together on a common project. And, and they, can raise, they can raise money and do things and push and prod and get things going. And, uh, you know, they, they know their power. I think they're very much realizing their power in, in a public way with some of these projects that are getting done. And um, it's really cool to see. Just to kind of take, this is Bruce, just to kind of take off on what Nick is saying as an example, when the city fathers called and were talking about doing the Valley House project, uh, and we started that looking at the economic realities of doing it, uh, one of the challenges was the building was coming up for auction. The, as a developer, what you don't want to do is own a building if you can't develop it, right? So the... Uh, they said, okay, well, we'll buy it. And while well, you're trying to figure this out because the clock was ticking because of the auction. Well, I can add to you that this is an old German community. And it's kind of raised on a German ethic where you work and you, you thrive and you do what you can. Uh, I think with that being said for Germans, that it's also change is hard. And uh, it, it's hard for me as an individual. Uh, I'm German. So uh, it, I think that... Uh, it takes time, and it takes a lot of talking and a lot of patience from the community leaders to uh, see, see projects through of, of the nature that we've been able to accomplish. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate that. This AIM Hometown Innovations podcast was sponsored by Wessler Engineering.